Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Chris, are you with me, sir? I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you good. Thank you, sir. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. A uh, little laptop issues on my side. Um, we'll edit out that dead space, and we'll get rocking and rolling here right away. Chris, good day to you, sir. How are you on Long Island? Oh, my God. This week, I tell you, it felt like, to use a hockey analogy, I played 20 minutes, and there was 10 minutes left to go in the third period. <laughs> and uh, I felt like I was on the ice for, like, a three-plus-minute shift and couldn't get off. And uh, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, there was a nice game at National Coliseum this week, uh, I, you know, I don't know if I would have been able to get through the finish line, but all is all is well. Good talking hockey with you. I wish I could say all is well with the Golden Knights, but uh, we're in a little bit of a, a trying time with them. Yeah, and um, I keep saying I don't know what to make of this team yet, and I think where I'm are you still... on the worried meter? If a worried meter from one to ten, ten being, you know. Pack the get the women and children out the door. One, no concern at all. Where are you on the worried meter with the Knights? I'm about a six. I think they're okay. they're a playoff team. I think um, we're going to know more here after this homestand. Um, Alex Tuck did return from his injury and look good. Um, both both games he played so far, I guess. Um, I really liked what how he how he looked. I think bringing him in on a full-time basis is going to create matchup problems that maybe the Knights aren't creating at this point with the third and fourth line that are just not scoring. I think having obviously Tuck on the right wing is, is, is a huge boost for this Vegas Golden Knights team. And I think this homestand is going to be critical to the season I really do I, I I think that we're about to find out right now and I don't know so much the Knights don't fare very well in uh, off start time games if you will and they're going at one o'clock pacific today um, I hate to say uh, against the second worst team in the league I think in the LA Kings but they the Kings sure have a uh a, a, not a warm feeling in their heart for the Golden Knights. I think the rivalry, if there is one, is more on the Kings side right now than, than it is from Vegas. So I expect a spirited effort from the Kings. And hey, they, I'm not they've so lost to the Blackhawks and the Red Wings the last week, so they can't take anyone. Yes, uh, there's no such thing. No, no they can't. And I don't. And I'm just seeing uh, four minutes ago, Jesse Granger from the Athletic tweets that Malcolm Subban is in the pipes today uh, over in Los Angeles. Uh, Jargalant also said Thomas Tomas Nosek is going in for Nick Wobb, but other than that, the lines remain the same. So a little bit of roster shuffling, a little bit of uh, uh, obviously Flurry's getting another game off, which is good. He's getting some time off right now, and and it, that's good. We've been harping on that all season long. The thing I, 
I'm not really sure about um, the last game. Uh, they came out, and it was obviously Tuck's first game back from injury. And Gallant decided to play line blender, and we went with Pacioretty, Carlson, and Smith. Uh, Marsha show Eakin Stone moving Eakin to the third line between Marshall and Stone, which is a line combination I don't believe we've ever seen before. And uh, third line Cody Glass, uh, Stastny, and Alex Tuck. And then he went Carrier, Wah, and Reeves for the fourth line. Didn't see a lot of chemistry on that Eakin Marsha show Stone line, I'll be honest with you. There was um, quite a few miscommunications. Um, I didn't see any chemistry on that line at all. Um, from practice, it looks like they're going, going – you know, those were the line rushes in practice. So, I mean, to quote Allen Iverson, practice? We're talking about practice? But, uh, yeah, that's what we're looking at right now with the Golden Knights. They're trying to find something that's going to work. And I didn't really – you know, they go up 2 nothing. They they give up a, a late first grade goal to Patrick Kane. No no shame in that. Patrick Kane, obviously prolific sniper in the NHL. Um, but that first goal, my, ooh, by Kaner. You know what it reminds uh, you know what it reminds me of is, and I think it's roughly the same time frame as last year, and a little bit different because the Knights got off to a slower, I think you know, slower start in terms of the wins the first couple weeks, and this yep. year they came out of the gate storming against the Sharks uh, with those two dominant wins, um, but if you remember around this time last year, it was kind of a critical time for them, and they needed to get going, and they had a crazy schedule where they were playing five games in seven days, and we said, well, this is going to be, you know, a very, you know, if they don't do well here, this could be huge trouble, and yeah. I believe they won four, four of those five. And when I look right now, they have the next five games. They have they're at the Kings tonight. Obviously, one of the bottom teams in the league. I believe they're home to Calgary, and then they come home for four games starting tomorrow night. I believe against Calgary, division Correct. rival, and then Toronto comes in, and then San Jose okay. and Edmonton and Edmonton come in. So I look at this five-game stretch here, it, you know, of which they're they got a three-game losing streak. Two of the teams of that streak are the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. I mean, Washington, okay, it happens. They don't seem to lose, although they lost last night. And then uh, and then at Detroit with the last 30 seconds to go in regulation, give up a goal, and then the Blackhawks up 2 nothing. Again, another game where they had a, at least a two-goal lead at home, and they wind up losing. So, yeah, I, I would say my – yeah, I I would say uh, my my worry meter is somewhere between a six and a seven, and uh, you know they can get a couple of wins this weekend. It, it could get tempered down, but I'm curious to see uh, what happens transpires by uh, uh, the end of tomorrow. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at a six. I I need this this week for the Golden Knights to show steps in the right direction, uh, particularly when when. You know, adversity, you know, one of the hallmarks of the, the last two years of the Golden Knights, mostly the first season, but we saw it as well last season, was that what the Golden Knights, when they get out to a lead, they they keep their foot on the gas. If, if the team they're playing against gets one, 
you know, in the first season, it was almost, I mean, it's ridiculous. You're not going to repeat that. But it seemed like every time the other team scored, within two minutes, the Knights would answer. And this season, and, and the Chicago game is a perfect example. Kane, Kane gets it to two to one, no problem. You go to the locker room. Uh, they came out good in the, in the second period, and, and Tuck came down the right wing and fired crossbar post, a double dinger, uh, and out. And they called it a goal on the ice. And it went to review, and it was disallowed. Well, you know, that's that point in the game where you have a little adversity. You know, you have a disallowed goal. Chicago jumped on them and and pumped in two goals right away to take that 3-2 lead. And then there were two more goals that were unanswered by the Knights. And that's where this team needs to find its character and find its identity and not – and that, I mean that's been the problem. You're you're blowing third-period leads, and and, and they don't have an answer at this point in time. I think that they need to be able to go through these moments of adversity within games and go back to that Vegas Golden Knights team that is just going to keep continue outworking the other team and keep their foot on the gas and find those answers for those moments in these games that they're letting slip away. These points are important. We're past the quarter pole here. Um, yeah. Head to the first turn, if you will. And the, I, 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 I said this this homestand I think is critical for this team to set that identity in place, and it, like like you said last season they were at another critical time in the year and they responded. I I do expect them to respond, but this isn't a cakewalk homestand. There's going to be adversity and there's going to be tests, and and I think they're going to have to put that identity in place this week. Or, I mean, when you look around the Pacific Division, Chris, this isn't uh, the Pacific Division of the last three years where you had uh, basically the Knights and the Sharks and whoever, you know, the Ducks were there third, the the Calgary Flames last year. This is a much improved Pacific Division. Um, they're sitting in fifth place right now outside a playoff spot. And I don't know your opinion only on the two Pacific points, Division. Yeah. Uh, yeah, only, only two points ahead of the seventh place team. Yeah, which is the Sharks, I believe, on a five-game run yeah. right now. Yeah. Looking yeah, up no, I in mean, the standings. And, at the <laughs> yeah, the Coyotes had a big week with road wins yeah, at Washington and at absolutely. St. Louis. And, uh, you know, when I say I think both the Canucks and Coyotes are for real, I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to both have 100-point seasons, but I think they're going to be in it to the end. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to fall apart, <clears throat> a la what we're seeing with Buffalo right now. And, um, I mean, Arizona plays a good – kind of remind me of the Islanders of the West a little bit. Play a lot of 3-2 kind of, kind of hockey games. And um, uh, But but anyway, in the Canucks, I, I think those teams are for real. So they gotta they got to get going. This is a – to me, this is a big weekend. They they uh, they need to win both of these games. they got to beat L.A., uh, yeah, that's, and then they got to take business, care, take care of business at home against Calgary. So, um, so it's amazing to me what's going on. Yeah, being, um, I, I expected the Oilers to come back to earth, and they're they're creating separation within the division up top. They're four points clear right now. Um, and, and I mean, all this being said, look, the sky's not falling. This is a good Vegas Golden Knights team. They've had injuries, they've had setbacks, they've had some adversity. They didn't, they didn't respond very well to. Um, but 
right now they're sitting with 21 points. Calgary and Vancouver at 23. And Arizona's at 24. So, I mean, a win today, they're back in a playoff spot, be it wild card or, you know, third place in the division tied with Vancouver and Calgary. But you let it slip away. And now you got to look over your shoulder at at these other teams that are coming hard, ducks, ducks and sharks, uh, respectively. It, like you said, it's a critical time for for these Golden Knights. Yeah, and interesting. After this five game stretch, uh, LA in the four game homestand, then they go uh, right before Thanksgiving to Dallas and Nashville, uh, and then Thanksgiving weekend. Um, they're home to Arizona and then head to the metropolitan area over by me and um, play the Rangers, Devils, and Islanders. So, uh, yeah, it's a critical time. Well, our guest, our guest today is going to be Thomas Roberts. Uh, he runs a San Jose Sharks podcast, and we're waiting for him to join the show. Um, Chris, why don't we jump into the Around the League segment here real quick while I try and get a hold of him. Okay. Um, so yeah, the big uh, one of the big stories for this past week was uh, Taylor Hall, uh, Elliot Freeman, amongst others, I believe. But I think it was Elliot Freeman reported that Taylor Hall had met with the Devils. I believe it was last weekend when they were in Western Canada, and they had sit down, had a nice pizza lunch, and the word on the street is Taylor Hall wasn't ruling out resigning with the Devils, but kind of wanted to. Let the season play out, and then decide uh, come spring, uh, spring dash July up to July first to make his decision. And um, that's not good news for the Devils. And and, and reportedly, his agent is one who believes to maximize one's value. That's what you should do. So if, unless there's between now and I don't know, sometime in January, let's say. Uh, difference uh, in terms of that thinking, the Devils have to trade him. I mean, being out here on Long Island, seeing what happened with John Tavares, but keep in mind, you know, John Tavares was the Islanders' own. They drafted him. He was the number one pick overall. He was the face of the franchise. I mean, look, with hindsight, it didn't work out, to say the least, and we could do a whole podcast on that, and we've talked about that enough to death. But Taylor Hall is a terrific play for the Devils. We could probably do a great segment on should the Devils, given the state where their chief franchise is at, should they trade him or should they sign him? But he's making it easy for them. The fact that he's saying, well, I really want to see how the spring goes and see how the season goes and then we'll decide in the off season." they have to trade him. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a player they traded for, uh, obviously won the Hart Trophy a couple of years ago. Um, they only, the only thing they gave up to Taylor Hall is Adam Larson. So it's not like they gave up. You know, a future stud who's gonna gonna kill them for years. Seeing, you know, kind of like the Edmonton Oilers are looking at what could have been with Matt Barzell and Edmonton, kind of thing. Even though it was a draft pick at the time, but um, so the Devils, look, they they I don't know if they know it yet, but they are in a rebuild. They they're not good enough, and you know, trying to do uh, stopgap moves by trading for PK Subban because they have the cap space. And trading for Nikita Gusev didn't haven't hasn't worked and look like bad moves right now. 
and looked like bad draft capital going the other way. So they got to get healthy here. If they can't get Taylor Hall signed by, let's call it January 15th, he's going to be steadfast on this. Uh, he will be the prize of the trade deadline by far. They will get healthy here. They will get a first-round pick from an elite prospect, and then probably something more. Um, that's what they got to do. Well, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later in the show. Uh, we do have our guest on the line today, and it's, it's Tomos Roberts. Is that correct? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Sorry about the the bug oh. link we have in the in the connection process, but it's good to have you aboard, sir. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm Thomas. Yeah, producer T from the Stick Hungry Podcast for the San Jose Sharks. So glad to glad to be here with you guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Let's uh, let's jump right into it today. Obviously, the the Sharks haven't had the start to the season that they anticipated, and everybody else as well. Um, yeah. Was there? I mean, they, they the the scheduling masters are are who they are, and of course, after last season in the playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna go home and home with with the Golden Knights. After those first two games, was there? sort of a, a hangover letdown as they headed into the, the first part of their schedule, or was there something else you could put your finger on that, that kept them from getting off to the start we all expected? You know what? I, I think the, the slow start that the San Jose Sharks have, have kind of experienced, I think it's almost expected in just with the age of the team and everything, you know, it, Carlson had some things going on. It, 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 it was an, it was it was a letdown start. You know, a lot of things have turned around moving forward. But yeah, like you know, we had eight goals in the first, in five games. You know, it's not good enough. It, it, a lot of different things going on. Uh, we've turned it around recently, starting to get some pucks on the net. It, it, Absolutely. Yeah. I was I was just gonna go go into that now after that start they they they're currently riding a five game winning streak uh, you you started to get into that a little bit I didn't mean to cut you off um, what what has changed in their play that you said they're starting to put some pucks on the net they're starting to to be that Sharks team um, that we all expected to see what what can you put your finger on that was was the the catalyst if you will to get this season underway. You know, me and Dylan talked about it a lot on the podcast, and um, we failed to replace Pavelski, first of all. And I think that that really um, resonated at the start of the season. And then um, moving forward, you know, eight goals in five games, and then in the last five games, 21 goals. You know, it's it's almost like something just started clicking in, in our front end, you know, hurdle starting to put – Putting, starting to get some numbers in. You know, we know that Burns has, has stepped up offensively uh, this season. It's, it's, it's just maybe, you know, Jones has kind of settled in a bit. The goaltending really scares me still. You know, that's not something that I'm comfortable with. But it's finally, you know, we're starting to get some goals. And, and, and in hockey, the number one thing is to get goals. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It, it's, it's nice to, to finally have some reason to celebrate. It's, it's like we're finally found a bit of a groove we're trying to make a surge in the in the Pacific division it's nice you know enjoying the hockey again 
So, so we got uh, Tomas just Chris here and good to talk to you. everyone. Tomas is, uh, as he mentioned, part of the co- co-host of Sick Hungry Podcast, part of our uh, the Hockey Podcast Network. So sister podcast uh, to us. You can find Tomas on Twitter at producer underscore T, T-E-E. And so, so Tomas, you know, from afar and looking, trying to, you know, I don't see too many short games being on the East Coast, but – but, you know, to me, Martin Jones was the reason this team a couple of years ago got to the Stanley Cup final. And the fact that that was such a competitive series against Pittsburgh, uh, probably 90% of that was Martin Jones. So I know the quality level of the goaltender that he is. And I wonder, you know, how much of the goals against this year for San Jose, how much is it a goaltending, the, 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 the level of play or poor play of the goaltending, or a co- and the team defense because out here on Long Island a couple of years ago prior to the season Barry Trotz coming on board, for instance Thomas Grice had some gruesome numbers, but the Islanders as overall had just played horrible team defense. Uh, that has changed obviously, and now Thomas Grice leads the league in save percentage as we speak right now, I believe. So how much of what's going on in San Jose can you put your finger on? Of the, of the goaltending play, but also speak to the team defense. You know what? I, I actually I put a lot of it on Jones personally because, you know, last season uh, we had that late run in the playoffs. Obviously, you know, we, we beat you guys. It was a hell of a run, but he was he was hot and cold. You know, he, he went on streaks, and we basically in the playoffs, it was almost like we were lucky. We were kind of riding his lucky streak a little bit. The last season overall, you know, it was his lowest save percentage in, 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 in his NHL career at .896 last year. Um, you know, he, he let in 176. So it's almost, it, it almost shouldn't be a surprise right now that Jones perhaps isn't, like, stepping up. And he's basically trailing off last season. And I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of Jones, you know, um, 3.26 this season, 0.88 pay percentage. It's, it's just not good enough for a top-end team like the San Jose Sharks. Again, we talked about this on the podcast as well. Is It's hard to know what we do from, from here. As, do, we, do we replace him? Because you can't really replace Martin Jones on the contract that he has. But uh, something that me and Dylan talked about is maybe that we you know, get a better backup than Aaron Dell who can actually step up to those minutes and let – and let Jones sit out a little bit and, and let me get exactly like what I just said, just, just step up and have a better um, backup even. Cause Jones really, I think it's, it's almost a sign of things. I don't think it's going to get any better. Um, sign of things to come last season. It, all the signs were there that, that this season was to come for him, that he wasn't going to step up. So uh, I'm not really as surprised. I don't think it's a defense issue. We have one of the best defenses in the league in Carlson, in Burns, in Blastage. You know, it, it's just one of those things where I, I just think Jones is starting to, to taper off towards the end of his career, unfortunately. Yeah, and getting into – okay, so you're still you're still buying on Burns and Carlson who are in their 30s now. I was going to ask about Burns, and I know I'm a dinosaur, and I know the new metrics and the new analytics people say plus minus don't matter. But I think Burns as like a somewhere around the minus twelve, minus thirteen. Uh, yeah. Are you a person who kind of like says, well, you know, 
plus minus, a little bit of overrated stats, bad luck with his other teammates and the goaltending, or has Brent Burns not been as good in terms of a two-way play this year? I, uh, Burns is kind of an interesting thing because I think he's almost sacrificed a little bit of his two-way play to, in order to step up on, on the offensive end. You know, it, it, he's one of the top producing uh, point producers for, for the San Jose Sharks right now. So the fact that he's stepped up on, on the offensive end, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, I think that has had a bit of a negative uh, effect on his uh, defensive play. But you know what? We needed someone to step up like that. I still think that we have the quality in the D, on the D end that Burns is – should be able to step up on the, on the offensive end and not be giving up. Like you said, you know what? Plus minus is, is it's one of those stats that people give credit to. Some people don't. Um, I do because you know if you're on if you're on the ice and you're letting in letting in goals, you know it it, it means something. So I, I I do think it has some weight to it. But overall, I think the fact that Burns has stepped up on the oh, offensive end, it's almost, it's not that it's Burns' problem. Maybe we need a bit more, uh, more of the other D pieces stepping up. You know, we need Jones playing well. And that's just what you need for a, for a good hockey team. You know, you, you need a guy like Brett Burns who can step up and not be letting pucks in all the time, you know. So I don't think it's more a Burns' problem. I think it's maybe just, just the goalie, again, it's goaltending. It's been a big problem for us. And Thomas, I got one more for you before I hand you off to Mark and let him finish with you. And that is, um, you know, going into the middle of the week, uh, the Sharks had a pretty curious couple statistics. And one is, uh, I believe this is, this was on thir- maybe before their last game. They had the fifth worst uh, in terms of giving up goals, three point five three per game, but mm-hmm. they were first in the league on the PK. So, translation means five-on-five play, uh, not so good. Uh, Can can you make sense of of that for us? Yeah, you know, it's one of those interesting things, really. How how can we lead one stat and be so far behind in another? Um, You know, when we have guys like Carlson and Burns pushing the pace offensively from the back end, uh, the end issue is that it comes down to the basics. We're not defending quite well enough. The goaltending uh, we're struggling with. Uh, we need you need more structured play for five on five, right? You know, we're we're lacking that structure when we are five on five. We're lacking that all around cohesiveness. Is is how I feel. I feel like the the D end is pushing forward. The D end is is like Carlson and Burns are trying to push the offensiveness. But we're really lacking the basic structure, and it's starting to come together recently in the past five games, as we discussed earlier. You know, we're starting to, to, to get some points together. We're starting to get some wins, and it's, it's, it's good to see and starting to see that structure and starting to get points from all over the board. I think that was one of the, the biggest things is that we're not getting points. To, to rely on points from the, from the DN is not good enough. So in the past five games, I feel like we've stepped up. You know, the scoring has spread out across the team. It's, it's nice to see. But you're, you're right. You know, we're, we're lacking on that 5-on-5. 
And it just comes down to basic hockey, I believe. You know, we, we just need more structure, more cohesiveness. It feels like the D end just has stepped up, but maybe the offensiveness hasn't. It's, it's just one of those balance things that seems to be kind of writing itself right now, which is, it, which is great to see as a San Jose fan. All right, we're talking with Thomas Roberts, host of the Stick Hungry podcast, covering the Sharks for the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, you mentioned Joe Pavelski, and I wanted to get into that a little bit. I was really surprised that they decided to move on from, from Joe Pavelski. Um, didn't, I, he's always a power play threat. Um, one of the leaders in the room for the San Jose Sharks. Were, were you surprised that, that they did not uh, make more of an effort to bring Pavelski back? Or, and I was, I was looking this up, I believe they have 10 a combined 10 RFAs and UFAs over the next two seasons and 40% of their salary committed to five players. Is it just a numbers crunch with the Pavelski thing? Is that kind of the way you read it? For me, I'd like to believe that the San Jose Sharks did, you know, make at least a decent offer for him because he was such a big part of that locker room. Absolutely. Such a big part of that playoff run. Um, So, in my eyes, it's more of a Joe Pavelski decision. You know, he was kind of – he wanted a change of scenery. He wanted to move on. It, it, I am surprised that, that the Sharks didn't make more of an effort to replace him because we really, really, really saw the struggles uh, that the Sharks had in the early season. And I had that down basically to two things with goaltending and Pavelski because we just didn't replace him. You can't lose yep. that kind of um, – you can't lose that kind of locker room guy – you can't lose that offensive production and not think that it's going to affect the team, right? You know, it, so I am really surprised that they didn't make more of a push to, to replace him, if anything. Uh, I, I do believe, you know, the Sharks, with the Thornton situation, I do believe that they're, that they're quite a loyal organization. You look at Marlowe, you look at uh, Thornton, you know, I, I do believe that they would have tried to keep Pavelski. I think it was a Pavelski decision to move on. But I, I'm disappointed, and I'm, I'm surprised for the fact that the Sharks didn't replace him. And it, it really has um, – it's, it's shown in this early early start of the season that we're missing a guy like Pavelski. We're missing, we're missing the leadership. We're missing the offensive uh, production, you know. So I think it's, it's been one of the biggest keys to our um, slow start here in uh, the new season. No, I agree with that 100%. That's one of the guys. Um, full full disclosure, I grew up a Kings fan, so um, I, I've seen battles with the Sharks that extend beyond the, the realm of the Golden Knights, if you will. Yeah. Um, Pavelski's never a guy you want to see parked in front of the net on a power play. That's just not. Exactly. Uh, it usually ends up in the back of the net. He's one of the best players in the league, de- uh, deflecting, redirecting shots um, from the high slot, from either side of the pipes. Um, absolute threat to to be on the ice for a power play, and I, I agree with you. I think that had a lot to do with it when you're looking not just at his goal scoring and, and power play, but his his just presence on the room. And and that'll bring us to Patty Marlowe. Um, he had a kind of an odyssey from from Toronto and Carolina, but he does end up back with the San Jose Sharks, and I believe they won their first game with him back, him, him scoring in that game, I believe. Yeah. Um, is, is he, I believe, 41 years old now. Is he going to be 
sort of a Pavelski light, if you will, and and kind of, you know, it's going to have to be a, a total team effort to replace that production. But bringing that leadership role back into the locker room, that's been a big catalyst towards their resurgence as well, no? For sure. You know, the fact that we signed him uh, once we've seen the season that under, uh, started, and, you know, Marlo, he's been a positive uh, to our season for sure, and he's been a catalyst to this turnaround recently. You know, he had, like you, like you mentioned, he scored in his first goal. He had uh, a few points in his first few games. He's kind of plateaued a little bit right now, not, not scoring quite as much as he did when he first uh, re-signed. But, you know, Marlo is one of those one of those guys. You're right. You know, he, it kind of it re- replaces Pavelski in the locker room to a degree. I don't think it, it quite shows up on the ice as much. It's it's a feel good thing. You know, everyone in San Jose is glad to have him back. We all knew he was. We all knew he was going to come. You know, the the franchise they said. You know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go with the youth. It didn't work out right this part of the season. So Marlo was back in the fold. He moved his family to San Jose. It was almost one of those things we were waiting waiting for it to happen, and when it did, it had that positive boost to the locker room. Um, right. So yeah, he's he's had a great he's had a great impact on the season. Is he a Joe Pavelski player? No. He, he like you said, he's forty one. <laughs> age doesn't lie. He is going to taper off towards the end of his end of his career. It's just the way that you know NHL careers go, but. Does that take away from his um, impact in the locker room and perhaps in a leadership way? No. So uh, it, it, they've gone to a degree for replacing Pavelski in the locker room, but I still think, you know, Marlo is he's a fantastic player, but he is aging. He's not going to replace the production on the ice that Pavelski had. So it's, it's a fantastic positive, but it also doesn't quite uh, cut it in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um... It did give them, I believe, that spark that um, kind of kicked their season in gear. So, if for nothing else, it was worth it to bring him in for for sure. Um, exactly. I mentioned the the salary cap situation that that uh, the Sharks are about to be in, and we do keep bringing up these forty something players. Um, we saw this w- earlier in the decade with the Blackhawks. Uh, they won three Stanley Cups, and and they sort of had to have a few down years to retool. You know, the salary cap always gets Stanley Cup teams. Uh, you can't run away from it. It happened to the Kings. Um, I believe that Pittsburgh's going to start going through that now. They had to move on from Kessel. Um, it, it catches up with you. So with the amount of free agencies that the Sharks have, and the, you know, you always oversign your players too when you're successful. Yeah. Um, it's not a jab at the organization. It's just one of those things that happens. And is this Sharks window? now and do you see enough prospects in their pipeline to replace the players they're going to have to lose as you know next season and this season come to an end and and you start having to fill those gaps of the five to six million dollar players with the guys on entry-level contracts uh, you know what? This this is the biggest worry as a Sharks fan moving forward for me is I, I think right. Right, I think this might be one one of the last years really that we can make a push because you know what like I mentioned the reason that we even signed Marlowe was because you know the young guys didn't really step up to that role yeah, in the early season so I don't think our prospect pool is quite as uh, rich and, and uh, 
quite as full of, of, of future prospects as, as we'd like. Um, you know, having Burns, an aging guy, Carlson, an aging guy on these huge contracts, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it is going to negatively affect this franchise. I, I think if we don't make it this season, I think it's going to be full rebuild mode next year, unfortunately. You know, it, it's got, like you said, it's got the signs of that. You know, we haven't missed the playoffs in a long time. This is a staple of the NHL of making the playoffs. But you know what? That has to end at some point. It feels almost like this season with the Canucks coming through, the Coyotes, that, you know, there's a lot of these new teams in the Pacific that are making these surges that are looking good. I've got all these young, young prospects, you know, I really feel the San Jose Sharks are lacking behind in that in that aspect. So I wouldn't be surprised if this really is the season to, to try and make a run for it. And if we go full rebuild mode, because every franchise has to go through it. We haven't really been through it yet. So I think, unfortunately, for, for this San Jose team, I think the next few years are going to be long and hard few years, just like, just like the LA Kings, like you mentioned, right? So as long as we make smart picks, we we can get through it. But I, I do I do agree. I think this is this is this season, and if it's not this season, then it's going to be a good few years before we're back at the top. Yeah, that was my worry when we did our Pacific Division preview. Um, that I I think that just the way the team structured and and the salary cap issues that they're going to run into here, that they were, uh, you know, this might be the window. Uh, for them to finally break through and win the first Stanley Cup in franchise history. But um, real quick, we got to let you go. We're running out of time. Is this team on enough of an upward trend to make the playoffs and finish in the top three of the division? Yes. Out and out, yes. You know, I think, uh, you know, the Oilers have been a great story. You know, the Coyotes have been a great story. You know, the Sharks' recent upward swing, it's kind of uh, – it, it's like you said, we're not quite falling off the deep end yet. We still have the talent. We still have the the foundation there to make a run for it. So, yes, we, we are going to make the playoffs. I think we're going to make the top three. Um, I think the early slump really has opened up a lot of our fragilities, a lot of our weaknesses, but overall – you know what, this is this is the San Jose Sharks. We you know, we, we do have Brent Burns. We've got Eric Carlson, you know, we've got Thomas Hurdle who is playing unbelievably right now. So do I think we're gonna miss the playoffs? No. Do I think that maybe it's gonna be a bit of a disappointment? Uh, yes. I think it might be an early playoff exit. But you know what, when it comes to the Stanley Cup, you never know. When it comes to playoffs, you know, like last season, the whole team can step up and you can make a run for it. But, yeah, overall, I do think we are going to make the, the, the playoffs and we're going to make the top three with this recent upsurge, thankfully. <laughs> well, all right. Thanks for joining us today this, this morning here out on the West Coast. I uh, appreciate your time, sir. This is Thomas Roberts with the Stick Hungry Podcast. Everybody, if you're into the shark content, they do a good job over there. Follow him at producer underscore T. And real quick, give out your uh, Twitter handle for the podcast you guys do. Yeah, so you can follow the podcast at Stick Hungry Pod on Twitter. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's awesome. We, we're loving the rivalry between uh, San Jose and Vegas. Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe next time we meet up, we can do another interview. Maybe have you guys on our show. 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's a great network on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, we, We love it. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank thanks you so, so much, much, and we'll we'll talk to you down the road. To- All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right. Little San Jose Sharks for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights fans. Uh, I'm kind of wondering <laughs> how that's going to go over. Hopefully, they can pull in some listens out of the out of the Sharks Nation over there, um, Chris. But uh, Thomas certainly knows his team, and he he shares the same concerns about the sharks that we shared in the uh, Pacific division preview that we did that uh, a, with the 40 somethings on the roster and the salary cap crunch they're going to have. Um, if Martin Jones does not turn his game around and lead them on a run here, this could be the, the closing window for the, the San Jose sharks as we know it. Yeah, no, this is, you know, and Burns and Colson are in their thirties already and they're signed for many more years. So, uh, we know for other teams how that script has gone. So absolutely, uh, I don't know. King's I fans. have a questionable. <laughs> yeah, I have a questionable eye if they're strong enough defensively as a team. Uh, we saw that last year in the playoffs, and somehow, huh, well, let's not get into that. But somehow, not a major. They had a few, <laughs> a few lucky breaks to get to the Western Conference Final. Uh, but I just don't know if they're strong enough defensively. As a team, I, the, the opportunities I saw that them that, that they gave up in playoff games, I was amazed. You don't see top teams kind of do that. It's I not agree. A rec- a good for- it's not a recipe for success. So um, great to have Tomas on, and uh, we'll try to get both him and his partner on later on in the season uh, over at Stick Hungry. But I want to get your – I don't know how much you heard of my Taylor Hall mini rant there about the Devils and where they're at with uh, – him is basically saying he's going to wait till after the season, a la, you know, close to Your July one and talk to, yeah, like my buddy. <laughs> so I, I say they they got to they have to sell him. Uh, yeah. This is not someone who's been in their franchise for ten years. They only gave up Adam Larson to get him. They will get very healthy in return. And quite honestly, I think he's done them a favor because where they're at and given Hall, not that he's an old man, he's only twenty eight, but he's not twenty three. And I think Jersey's a couple of years away from really, at least from being, quote unquote, uh, taking that, being a, a true playoff team and a contending team. And yeah. Probably more than that. So they they got well, to move them. Chris Moore last week said he has, he's, I mean, he's a, a well respected media member. Uh, 30 years in covering the national hockey league and he has no idea what the new Jersey devils are doing. So (laughs) I mean, um, I I had no idea of what they were doing in the off season. Um, as soon, I mean, that's the same script Tavares said, right? I'm waiting until the end of the season. Um, I want to be here, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. He's in Toronto. There's, and, and I said this about Columbus last year, and they went the other direction, and they did get the first round win. Um, but reg- regardless, but Columbus Columbus's future the is in, going to make the yeah, Devils are not the that team. Columbus. They're they're yeah. not going. They're not going to be when we come to the trade deadline. They're not going to be a point out of the wild card spot and looking to be right. buyers. I promise you that. What the, this is sell sell sell. Um, there's, there's there's no there's no two ways around it. Taylor Hall is going to be gone by the trade deadline, and I it, the return they can get for uh, MVP in this league 
hopefully they'll be able to use the picks and prospects they get wisely because, you know, like you said, they gave up Larson. Uh, what's the market for an what's the market for an MVP? You get um, two firsts, a third, and two prospects or one prospect. What what do you think the market will be on the return? I think I think the 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 the, the rate has to start, and they'll definitely get this a first round pick and uh, like a blue chip prospect, and um, uh, you know maybe not the bluest of blues, like a top ten prospect in the sport. But, you know, a top, you know, let's say 20 to 40 guy with that number one. And then you hope that there's enough of a bidding war with the teams that you get other things added into the mix. So, you know, throw in a second-round pick or throw in, a, you know, a second-round pick and, um, and a good prospect, you know, and you kind of you build up the deal that way. So I would think at minimum they would get a, uh, that first-round pick and a, a pretty strong prospect, a top. 25 to top 40 prospect, I would think, for someone who's going to kind of go for it. Um, that's that's what I would think the going rate uh, w- would be. And they got to, like I said, they got to do it. But um, uh, yeah, well, what did, so, what did the Islanders get for Tavares? Oh, uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> right? I we, mean, exactly. We don't, we, we, we don't need him. <laughs> we don't need him. <laughs> Uh, so well played, now, sir. speaking of a little professional that you are, the little segue they bring up to Paris, jumping yeah. into the Maple Leafs. Uh, this is you, you, if, if the if if Vegas is on DefCon three, then Toronto is on I think DefCon five because they lose Mitch Marner last Saturday night. He's out for the next. Well, let me rephrase that. He's out for four weeks. And then he will be reevaluated on right. his ankle, whatever that means. Whatever that means. That means that means longer know, than four weeks. One would. Six. That means he's probably one in, a, in a walking boot in a in a walking boot uh, for four weeks. Then you take the boot off and you look at it and you go, okay, start rehab. And, and you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Electrical stimulation, all the stuff that they do. But uh, that yeah, you're 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 off of it for four weeks, and then we'll see. That's what it sounds like to me. So they have that game. He gets hurt last Saturday night at home in um, uh, in the in the game against uh, Philadelphia. They wound up losing that game, I believe, in a shootout. They go to Chicago the next night. And so that's the first game without Marner. They lose to the Blackhawks. They go to Long Island during the week. We know what happened there. They lose to the Islanders. They lose at home last night to Boston. Now listen to this schedule between now and December uh Fourteen, the middle of December. It's almost the next basically month. Basically, the four weeks, right? As much as, as yeah. basically as long as Marner's reevaluation pending, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay. So tonight, tonight starts a six-game road trip. They go to Pittsburgh, mm. then they go to your neck of the woods in Vegas, then they go to Arizona, then they go to Colorado, then they go to Detroit, and then they go to Buffalo. Then they come home on. For Saturday, November 30th, so that's Thanksgiving weekend, to play Buffalo again. So they have a home and home with Buffalo. Then they go out on the road again to Philly, come home for a game to play Colorado, and then go on a four game road trip where they go to the Stanley Cup champions' house, the St. Louis Blues, and then go to Western Canada playing Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. That's the next, that's roughly the next four weeks. For the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
Okay, so every game is against a playoff opponent currently as we sit, except for Vegas and the home and home against Buffalo. Right, and I think thirteen. I think that's thirteen out of thirteen out of seventeen. Let me see. They only have actually, they only have in that stretch two home games. They got a six-game trip, and then they got uh, a one-gamer, so that's seven. They got so eleven of their next thirteen are on the road. Um, DefCon Five, sir, you're right. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, this is not a good time, and you know they give up four or five goals a game. Excuse me, we uh, we said this was a critical home stand for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, this is their season. Uh, the next four weeks. Yeah, no, and they're without. I don't think I'm overstating there. Yeah, yeah, and they're with arguably the best player. So they're they're a bit of a mess right now. They are. They get a bit of a break tonight, being in Pittsburgh and Crosby being out for now the next six weeks, uh, when he just had a, a core surgery or hernia surgery, whatever you want to call it, which probably was the right way to go instead of trying to take a week to ten days off and trying to play the season through it. But now Pittsburgh is going to have to. You know, buckle up and um, get guys like Alchenyuk and Bukestad to to contribute uh, more with the, the absence of Crosby. Cor- but this is a a very tricky time for Toronto, and you just got to wonder how much of a wiggle room Mike Babcock has. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm. You know how the Maple Leaf Nation is. They're not. Um, well, this team, this team is not just just. I'm not trying to pile on them because, you know, I dislike them. Uh, although I enjoy it, but I, I dislike them because <laughs> they took the Bears in that horrible playoff loss at the beginning of the 2000s. I have a memory like an elephant. But um, you know, the bottom line is they they don't play overall good team defense. They give up the puck way too much. All right, Freddie Anderson is a, is a very good goalie, but they don't have a good backup. And, you know, you can't burn Freddie Anderson. I mean, you you put all that in a blender. I know they have all these, you know, superstar scoring forwards, but this isn't, you know, this isn't Sega Genesis hockey. This isn't fantasy hockey. This is the NHL. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I heard, I listened a little bit to TSN uh, radio this week in Toronto. And, you know, listen to this, sir. They pulled the fan base. Now, I know the fan base likes to jump off the ledge, but they pulled the fan base and they asked the fan base, you know what? What percentage would you? Uh, what's your the percentage of people who thought the Leafs would make the playoffs? And it was barely over fifty percent. Right now. Yeah. That's. Uh, I think that's optimistic on Maple Leaf Nation's part. To be honest with you, they're sitting out of the playoffs right now, and they're about to run the gauntlet without Marner. Um, Eleven to thirteen on the road against playoff teams. Th- th- this could. Uh, I'm not 50% optimistic, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it would be an amazing story if that were to happen, just thinking about where they were, you know, going back to last summer or whatnot. And, um, uh, but anyway, you want to, you want to make a, give a thought and we could finish up on the curious case of Kovalchuk and, and the, and then the Kings and boy, did this really not work out well. Well, they tried to sign him, um, before he signed with the Devils, the 
right. 15 year deal they got voided and they redid it and the Kings courted him really hard and I guess they eventually got their man <laughs> um, I think I think it is the case of be careful what you wish for you might actually get it um, I didn't you know at the time I said I don't like that signing he's fine in, in the KHL he should probably stay in the KHL um, but they, you know, they put a three-year, six million per on him, and he's unmovable. So they're going to have to swallow that eighteen million dollars. And um, I don't know. Uh, you know, the Kings are where they are. They don't. I guess it's it'll be an expiring contract next year. Is the best way. Yep. To, I mean, that's yep. the brightest spot you can. You know, well, <laughs> next year it'll be an expiring contract. That's as much mm-hmm. as I can say about Kovalchuk and the Kings. I don't. Uh, goodness gracious, I do. I don't. And, there wasn't any reason to do that for this team. They're not it, a Kovalchuk player. Let's say if Kovalchuk comes in and scores thirty goals and thirty assists and is a sixty-point guy on Kopitar's wing, are they a playoff team? No, I don't no, think I so. didn't understand the move. I don't think so. And, and it, did, did I hear correctly that Tyler Toffoli was a healthy scratch the other night too? Yeah, absolutely, you did. There's. Uh, oh boy, so what? So is a, is a, is a trade afoot there? I don't know. He's a piece that um, you might be able to get a return for, but I mean, he's still a young guy. He's on a kind of a friendly. Him and Tanner Pearson both kind of sign friendly deals and. I'm not sure I'm, I'm buying into the Kings' uh, rebuild philosophy. You have all these aging guys that yeah, you know, but Carter's, Carter's on him. a friendly deal. I think you can get points right. for pieces for him. Um, and, but you trade away maybe your best defensive defenseman, obviously not Dowdy, of course, but Muzzin. Um, and then you trade a really good third liner, like 2A, 3B, and Tanner Pearson. And now if, if you go ahead and move to Foley, that's basically everybody you've drafted since they won the cup that's on the roster. Um, that's worth I anything. They, I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think between now and the deadline, they, they, they're going to try to optimize and they're going to wind up trading to Foley and Martinez and, you know, free up some cap space, add as many picks and, and young players, dash uh, prospects as they can and, you know, because they're, they're still going to be rebuilding next year. It's really like you kind of look at it the year after, you know, maybe can we compete for okay. a playoff spot. I think they need a three-year plan. They need a three-year plan. Yeah, I think that's where they're at. You know, I think that's where they're at. You know, Carter I don't think is going to go anywhere because he's threatened to retire if that happens. And quite honestly, he's gotten a little bit older and, and hasn't been as good uh, as yeah. tends to what happen when you get older. So, uh, yeah, so I think that's what's gonna that would be my take on 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 where the Kings are. And hey, look, they're gonna get they, they're gonna get a top pick in this draft. It's just a question of where. Yep, well, that's gonna be, yep, well, that's gonna be week, number Chris. five. We yep. are out of time. Um, we're gonna be back Wednesday, all things permitting, uh, with another yep. short hit midweek review for the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll get into their their uh, current homestand and how they're doing for Chris. I'm Mark. We're gone. Thank you.